Matthew 13, verses 47 to 52 is what we'll be reading today. So let's all stand to read the Word of God. Um, one, because it is God's Word, it is holy, it is divine. And uh, two, because it's a sign of God living in and working through us. Starting in verse 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. Let's pray. God, thank you for bringing us here this morning as a group of people pursuing you. Thank you for friends and people that we already know. Thank you for people that we don't know. I pray that in each and every one of us, our personal relationship with you can grow or begin. And I, and I pray that our relationship with one another can grow as well. God, open our hearts, open our ears, open our minds. Help us understand your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Um, I'm going to go out of order on this one today, not because I don't think that it makes sense the way that it's written. I think it does make sense the way that it's written, but I think it also makes sense uh, the other way as well. And so we're going to start actually in 51, uh, when Jesus asks the disciples, he's not talking to the outsiders, he's not talking to, um, he's not talking to people that don't know who he is that haven't lived he's talking to his disciples and he asks them you get it do you know what i've said these seven parables we've been going straight through the book of matthew these seven parables that i just shared we've gone through six we'll go over the seventh in a second here do you get it understanding he says do you understand and so understanding is vitally important to jesus towards the ones that he's discipling and so it's the same with us. It's not enough just to hear. Uh, I don't know if these verses are all together next or not. Um, but it's not enough just to hear Jesus' words. They need to be understood. So Matthew 13, 13, um, a few from the same chapter we've already gone over. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. Uh, next one, 13, 19. When one hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their hearts. So if they hear it, but don't understand it, see you later. Matthew 13, 23, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word. And then Matthew 15, 10, um, Jesus tells them to hear and understand. Truly hear and understand. Jesus is in the business of his disciples, and God is in the business of his children understanding mentally the word of God, not only hearing it. Yes, we live by faith, okay, and it is faith that is credited us as righteousness, but it's important, what I want us to remember is that we don't just have a blind faith, okay? God doesn't tell us to have faith and not think. He tells us to hear and understand. So uh, faith and thought, we were talking this morning about how in America we love to have these extremes, these opposites. And how many times do we think that faith is over here on this side of the spectrum and then thought is here on this side of the spectrum and they don't meet? That is not biblical. That is not what Jesus wants. He doesn't want us to, well, you can either have faith in me or you can think. Those aren't the options. We should be doing both. Both of these are vitally important. To Jesus, especially towards the ones that he's talking to. And so why is this important to us? As a Christian, um, you should not be in the business of not thinking, especially downtown. I could be wrong, but I think Cleveland is a pretty intellectual city. No laughs, good. Okay. I was hoping nobody would laugh at that. I do. I think I have met 
plenty of people in this city um, that while we do love talking about sports, we love talking about the new place to go eat or the best place to find um, a sandwich for St. Patty's Day tomorrow, while these things are talked about, I've, I have met many people in this city that want to talk about deeper things as well, that want to have intellectual conversations, people that want to have a conversation about life with existential questions and these things that matter a little more than the Browns losing. I can say that because my brother's not here today. He's a diehard fan. He won't get mad at me. And so, <laughs> as, and I think as the city grows, as more people move in, as more young professionals come in, as business grows, this is only going to happen more. Okay? We're going to become more intellectual, I think, as a city. And so, what happens if we as Christians think that, well, it's either faith or it's thought, well, then we are going to be separated from the seeker. We're going to be separated from the person living downtown that wants to find something else, that wants to fill this hole maybe in their life. Or people that have stayed up, anybody ever stayed up late at night just thinking and wondering what it's about. I mean, I think a lot of us, um, maybe that have known Jesus for a long time, forget what it's like to not be comforted by Jesus. I know I've, I forget this a lot. I have been so blessed, <laughs> and God has given me so much mercy and grace and having allowed me to know him from a really young age. And so I take for granted what it's like sometimes. Not say, by no means, I'm not saying I'm perfect, or I've always known everything about God. I'm not saying that. But I take for granted sometimes what it would be like to have no idea God is real, that Jesus is real and alive in the world today. And that you can stay up at night. I've, you know, I've talked to, with my roommate about this. And, you know, when, before he knew Christ, he'd stay up at night and he would just think and wonder, what is this about? And have absolutely no answer. And he wanted to talk about it, but what if somebody that knows Jesus doesn't want to talk about it because they don't want to think about it because they just want faith? Well, then he's separating them from the seeker. And so we need to understand, Jesus calls us to understand so that we can help and so that we can know God more fully. And so he's not just asking if we understand. He does say in the verse, have you understood all these things? And so Jesus is asking his disciples, these people that will be teaching, he's asking them not only if they have an understanding, but do they have a comprehensive understanding, an understanding of everything from before they knew him and met him until now that they're with him. He asked them if they know everything. Matthew 24, 35, Jesus says that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Jesus' words are very important. His words, the word of God, Jesus' words are eternal, they last forever. They can't be forgotten. They shouldn't be forgotten. But these words will be forgotten if they're not understood. Right now, everything that I say will be forgotten if it's not understood. I, this happens to me all the time that when I'm reading. Okay, I'll be reading down the page, and I, this is probably happening to other people. You get halfway down the page, you realize you have no idea what you just read. Anybody? Thank you. Some people have experienced this. I'm reading, and I know for a fact that I read every single word. I heard myself say the words in my head. I heard it, but I wasn't understanding what I was reading. And so I go back, and I start again, and, well, there's been times where I've just shut the book because I realize I'm not getting it, and I'll go to class, and hopefully the professor will explain it later. But that is what happens sometimes. And so this is why words... Jesus tells his disciples, these words are very important, okay? And they were especially important for his disciples because of what they were going to have to do. They were going to carry this word forward. These same disciples that when they saw Jesus walking on water didn't really understand how he was doing that. They didn't really get it. When Jesus came back from back from the tomb. He's got holes in his hands and doubting Thomas says, oh, is that real? Like they still don't 
even know that they were really with the Messiah. They don't have a full understanding. And so Jesus asked them if they understand all these things. They say yes. You can see later on that probably some of them still didn't really know. But Jesus is making sure they understand that it's important to understand all of these words. And so look at the growth, the intellectual growth of the disciples. It's absolutely, it's awe-inspiring that they were able, these guys that weren't able to understand Christ or Jesus before they knew him, even while they were with the Messiah, they knew the old covenant laws, but then they were able to get it. They were able to grow from the words of Jesus and put all these things together and begin to grow churches to begin to make disciples. They were able to do this because they were able to understand the things that Jesus said. So Jesus, I don't know if he's necessarily taking their word, yes, we understand all these things. I don't know if he's necessarily saying, yep, you do. And so he doesn't say, he instead follows up, okay, with a parable about a scribe, a scribe or people that teach from the word. Each one of them has been trained for the kingdom of heaven, is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. Uh, so Matthew Henry put it like this. He said that old experiences and new observations all have their use. And we must not content ourselves with old discoveries, but must be adding new. Live and learn. I don't know if we got that on there. But live and learn. He's saying, yes, old experiences in Christ, our knowledge, our growing knowledge, maybe when we meet Christ, okay, that old experience, that has meaning, okay, also, the new must be added. We must be learning. We must be growing in our knowledge and our understanding of God. And so we continue learning and growing by being in His Word, by looking at the words of Christ, by looking at the Word, the Bible. We believe the Bible here, so we teach from the Bible. And so Jesus puts this task, this is one of the tasks, this teaching task that He puts on the disciples um, in the Great Commission, Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen to 20, Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So you go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the ways that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So a couple tests here. Go make disciples. Teach them. We need to be teaching. And so we've been going through this discipleship book, this, the huddle that I was a part of with Jason and some other guys that are in here. And one of the bases, foundations of this book, of this building a discipleship culture, what it says is uh, that a church, if you start a church, you might make disciples. If you make disciples, you will always have a church. It's foolproof. The church isn't about starting a church. It's about disciples. It's about teaching people. And so what is one way that we're discipled here in this church? One way is meeting on, on Sundays and being here and having somebody teach the Word of God. So Paul, one of his disciples, Timothy, tells him in 2 Timothy three sixteen that all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. So this is what I'm doing right now, okay? The, the Word of God, the Scripture, we look at the words that God has shared through the Bible with us, these 66 books. We look at them, we see it, and we teach it. We share it with other people. And so I think this is why we have expository preaching. This is why we preach on a Sunday and we look at the words and we're not skipping the words. We've been going through Matthew now for over a year. Every word. And I, I mean, I remember when we went over all these sermons you can find online, gatewaycleveland.com. Um, and Jason, when he was about to give a sermon about, uh, about divorce, he said, the reason we're going straight through this is because we have to face things that we don't want to talk about. We have to look at the words of Jesus and talk about it and teach what he said. We can't just pick and choose what we want to talk about this week. We're going to go through it and we're going to talk about it. And so this is what we're doing here, okay? And so I heard it described kind of like this, like a, uh, a pearl uh, hunter, not just the merchant that's going to buy and sell like we talked about last week, but actually going down and finding the pearls, okay? You're going to dive down into the water. You're going to swim down to the bottom. You're going to find this oyster. You're going to bring it up 
to the top. You're going to check it, and you're going to see if there's a pearl in there. And if there is a pearl, if anybody's seen a pearl just straight from an oyster, it doesn't look like what you wear on your neck at all. That pearl has to be cleaned up before it's going to shine. And so that's a little bit about what Jesus is telling his disciples this scribe is going to do. It's like a scribe bringing out what is old, okay, maybe promises of the Old Testament, what we've had in the new, and we're going to have to bring these up. We're going to have to dive down, find these words, bring it to the surface, give it a little polish, and then we can present it. And we can see Jesus' words as beautiful. And we don't just see it, we don't just hear it, but hopefully now we can understand it. Because like we've been saying, understanding is important. So this is what I'm trying to do. I'm not saying I'm good at it. You guys are giving me a chance here. I appreciate that. But Psalm 119, uh, 130, it says that the unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. Whoa, did I just call you simple? Well, yeah, and I'm simple too. (laughs) We're all simple. We're going to think about God and what God knows, which is everything. We're all pretty simple. So the unfolding of your words, it says in Psalms, gives light and imparts understanding. So this is what we're doing. We're diving in. We're not skipping. We're diving in. We're going to unfold these words and find what Jesus has for us. So with that said, since we're going straight through this, we're going to the parable of the net, verses 47 and 50. Um, I'll read these again. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Fire and brimstone, baby. We're talking about it, okay? For anybody that maybe um, has thought about or wanted to be a teacher or a preacher of the word, this was me like when I was a little kid, I was really weird. The pastor invited all the kids up front and asked, you know, we're all sitting up on the altar and he's got his microphone, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'm sure it related to something later, but he hands it to seven-year-old Philip and I say, a pastor, I mean crazy, but I have thought about this. And so when thinking about preaching, it is something that I've thought about that this is a sermon that you always think about. You always think about the one where you can be up front and I get to literally scare the hell out of you. We have this phrase for a reason, okay? It's real. It's real. And it's something that I have thought about. I don't want you to I'm, I'm really not being facetious, though. I have thought about this. Because I've thought about what it's like when somebody really understands what the depravity is, what hell is. How could you not come running to Jesus and then come running out of the church telling people about him? But here we are. This is the parable from Jesus. So we're going to dive down, pick up this oyster, find the pearl, try to polish it off, and look at the beauty of what it is. So first of all, what we have is we have the net um, being thrown into the water. This net is not used anywhere else in, um, in the New Testament, in Greek. So the New Testament was composed in Greek. Yes, they spoke Aramaic and Hebrew, but it was originally composed in Greek. So when we look at the original meanings of words from the New Testament, we look at the Greek uh, definitions. And so this word for net is sagene, which is not used anywhere else. If you've read the New Testament, you know that net is mentioned often It is never mentioned in this sense because it's usually a net for one person or maybe two people that are getting some fish. No, sagene is a big net. Some Bibles definitions might translate this as a as a dragnet. Dragnet, dragnet, dragnet. Say it how you want. Sagene is the way you can say it. And uh, so this is a huge net that no single person can do. And so he uses it because he describes it as coming through and grabbing fish. Of every kind. So, first question. How can a net grab fish of every kind? And what is this net? This net is the gospel, okay? It is Jesus. It is the message of Jesus Christ who came and died for our sins, coming through and grabbing fish of every kind. What about llama farmer in Peru? What about people that won't know 
How does it grab fish of every kind? Uh, a verse that I really fell in love with. I was on a motorcycle trip around the country, and uh, Romans 1.20 was a verse I fell in love with. Um, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. So God in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, this, um, this eternal power, this divine nature is clearly perceived through what has been made, through nature. When I was on this trip out west, I saw the most beautiful things that are just infused in my mind, and I don't forget it. And I was able, literally, to see God through that creation. God created us. We're able to see God through each other. So by listening right now to this, on March 16th, we are all now exposed to the gospel. This net is now coming through this church, through this gathering. Everybody will have it. The red pill has been taken. Matrix, anybody? I don't know if we remember the matrix. You can take the red pill or you can take the blue pill. If you take the blue pill, then that means you're good with the bliss, ignorant bliss of not knowing that we're run by machines in the, in the matrix, right? Just live the life you've always lived and don't know the truth. Or you can take the red pill, and while it's hard, and you're going you're gonna to see the reality and the truth, and you can help it. So right now, there's no more option for a blue pill. You're, you've all taken the red pill. Okay? And so with this red pill, we're all hearing it. But as we talked about, hearing is only the first step. I plead you to understand this morning. So, this net is huge. It grabs everything, brings in fish of every kind. So what's next? What is the text telling us now? Because that's what we're looking at. When it's full, the men pull it ashore and they sit down. They sort the good into containers, but throw away the bad. And just to make this clear, Jesus is explaining it right afterwards. He is equating the bad fish to evil. Okay, separating the evil, the wicked, from the righteous, the good fish. And he's separating them by sending them to hell. He's sending them to the fiery furnace, where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. He's sending people to hell. Boom. That's what it says. Hell is real. Hell exists. But Philip, you've always been so nice. And it's always been easy to talk to you. Like, why are you telling me people are going to hell? Well, it's because I'm a nice guy. (laughs) Okay? I heard an atheist, maybe you've seen this video, uh, a very well-known atheist share this story about receiving a Gideon Bible, one of those little green Bibles. And he said somebody came up and said, hey, here's this Bible. And he knows he's an atheist. He's well-known in America's Navy, he hands him this Bible, and he says, hey, you should check this out and see what you think. So this atheist didn't get mad at all. He actually goes on a rant in this video that you can find online, talking about how happy he was that somebody was proselytizing, that somebody was sharing their faith, because he put it this way. He said, if I'm looking at somebody standing in the street, and there's a huge truck a semi-truck is coming to take this person out to kill them, which would be way better than eternal hell, where there is constant torment, constant weeping and gnashing of teeth. But just, if it is just death, just the pain from this one instant, how much, he says, how much must you hate that person to not at least tell them, hey, get out of the way. Hey, there's something coming Hey, you're going to die. Like, the, you, could, you could go grab them and pull them out of there, but the least you can do at the very least, is at least tell them, hey, it's coming. And so this atheist was saying how happy he was that somebody did tell him. No, is he, he doesn't care. He, I mean, he's still an atheist. But I think we get the point. That is good, and we need to be sharing this. Okay, I'm not being a bad guy by telling us about hell. I'm being a good guy, and I'm saying it because Jesus said it. Jesus talks about hell a lot. Matthew 5, 29 and 30, if you want to look at it, better to cut off your hand than go to hell. 
Matthew 8:12 uh, references the outer darkness. Matthew 11:23 talks about going down to Hades. So yes, Jesus does share the the joy of knowing Him. He shares how great this is, okay, and how our life is fulfilled in the treasure of Jesus. But He doesn't leave hell out of it, and so so we can't either. So. There's two kinds of fish. We have the wicked, and we have the righteous. We have the good and the bad. Okay, there are two options at the end of the age. Okay, it says that they're sitting down, they bring in the net, and they sit down. So this is representative of the end of the age when, we, when God will sit down. And there will be separation now of the wicked and the righteous. And these two, wicked and righteous, has nothing to do with morality. Or being a good person, just so we know. It has nothing to do with morals. So, if we are there at the throne, when we're about to uh, decide whether we're going to the good container or the bad container, and he asks, then God asks you, the fish, and he says, hey fish, why should you go to the good container? A bad answer would be, well, I should go to the good container because... I'm a pretty good person. I donated some money while I lived, and I didn't kill anybody. I didn't, you know, there were people that were worse than me. I was married for, you know, 35 years, and, you know, or, you know I, only, I only got divorced once, and it wasn't my fault, you know? Like, I, I was pretty good. That's a bad answer, <laughs> if you want an answer to get to a good container. A good answer would be, if the fish were to talk, a good answer would be, you know what? I do deserve the fiery furnace. I should go to the fiery furnace because I am not righteous in anything that I've done. Now, this would be a pretty big gap, right? If these are all the bad fish. But within this, within me knowing that I am not righteous in anything that I can do, I have accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And simply by looking at Jesus on the cross, Him dying the death that I should have died, He has now made me righteous. And I am righteous through the atonement of Jesus Christ. And that's why you go to the good container. That's why you don't go to hell. So why is that a good answer? Why does that make any more sense? Uh, Romans 3.10. Romans 3.10 tells us that none is righteous... No, not one. None is righteous. So you're telling me the fish are wicked or righteous? None is righteous? They're all going to hell. Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Just 23. So we're definitely all short of the glory of God. So we're all going to hell. But we have verse 24. But we are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, because he died for us, we have righteousness through him. Galatians 5.5 5 says that, um, for through the Spirit, by faith, we wait for the hope of righteousness. So last week we talked about if we're going to love Jesus, if we're going to come to Jesus, we need to give up everything. Okay, we need to give up sin. Does that mean we're perfect? Last week we talked about, no, that doesn't mean you have to become perfect before you can approach Jesus. But what it does mean is we part from our wanting of sin, okay? And we're pressing on. We looked at the word, we're pressing on in our faith. And so similarly here, we have righteousness, okay? We wait for the perfection of righteousness. The perfection of righteousness from Jesus who cleanses us. This perfect righteousness happens when we're with our Creator and we have accepted Him. Now we are perfect in righteousness. On earth, am I now perfect in righteousness since I know Jesus? Well, no, I'm pressing on. Okay, we have our practical righteousness, which we are pressing on for, and then there's perfected righteousness, which is at the end of our physical life. And so this is what Galatians 5, 5 is telling us, that through the Spirit, by faith, we wait for this hope of righteousness, this perfect righteousness. So who is wicked and who is going to hell? Everybody that has not received 
the gift of righteousness from Christ. And we can all have that gift. So where does this leave us then as a church? Hopefully it leaves us to take action and to do something. Hopefully it doesn't make us sit still. Hopefully this doesn't paralyze us into saying, well, some are going to hell, some aren't. So, well, I know about me. That's good. Hopefully it moves us to do something. The next verses that we already went over, to teach and preach the good news. Okay? That is one of the things that it should be leading us to do. And another point that I don't want us to miss here is how the fish are separated. Okay? The fish don't separate each other. The fish don't separate the fish. God separates the fish. Okay, it's not like this net is coming through and all the fish realize, okay, well, yeah, I'm born again. So you're born again, all right, let's go swim over here. And then anybody that hasn't, well, they should go swim over here. And then the net comes, picks them up. Oh, this is easy. They already separated themselves. Good, this makes my job easy. No, that is not what we have here. Every fish is coming together. They're all together. And so that's how we should live. We shouldn't just live in a community of only like-minded thinkers. That's our second thing. Our second mission as a church is to live in community. The community of Cleveland. We should be living in a community. And a lot of us wear a lot of hats. Okay, a lot of us do multiple things with work. And so maybe we have, work, maybe we have these different pockets of friends. Okay, maybe from our hobbies we have these different pockets, these different communities But these communities, can they start coming together? Can we get rid of this barricade? Okay, we meet in a comedy club. How inviting is that? Like, that's that's easy to walk into a comedy club. I was just there last night and had a martini and laughed all night. Yeah, I can come there. But there's still a barricade that happens a lot. And I think a big reason for this is how we approach people. Since I've been coming here for for over a year now, I don't know if a Sunday has gone by that I haven't met somebody new here. And that's, that's awesome. So if you're sitting here and you're waiting for the person next to you to like introduce themselves to you and like get you involved with the church, well, that person next to you might be waiting for you to do the same thing. We might all be new here. And so I don't want you to be scared. It's not weird to ask somebody what their name is for the fifth time. I'm sorry, I do it all the time. I'm bad with names. But it's not weird to ask that, okay? It's not weird to walk in and introduce yourself to somebody or find out, oh, you like to do what I, here's my number. It's okay to exchange numbers at church and to do things with people that you don't know that weren't naturally already a part of your church community. That's not a bad thing. And that is how we can start to see things mixing. If somebody comes with us here, it's nice to feel welcomed and invited. So take it on yourself to go ahead and do that. Even if this is your first time. I don't care. Talk to them. You know, it's great. Introduce yourself. And I know not all of us have that um, maybe gusto or ability, but feel free to here. Just no, nobody's going to hold you back. And so what I'd like to do right now, um, one of the things we want to get plugged into, uh, one of our announcements that I didn't go over is, is our growth groups, okay? Our growth groups are a time when we meet during the week, um, As people, as a part of this church, we meet in homes, and it's a time to grow in our faith. And growth groups can be less inviting than church sometimes if we don't know the people. But the people are here. Maybe we want to get plugged in, but we don't necessarily know how, and it's weird if we haven't met anybody yet. So um, what I'd like to do right now is, before we close in prayer and and end in in a song, and, and corporate worship glorifying and praising Jesus, Um, I'd like us to actually break up into our growth groups right now. And if you're not a part of a growth group, that's great. Just jump into one. So um, Ben Dewan, if you're looking at your growth groups card, Ben Dewan, can you raise your hand? He is one of the growth group leaders that meets in Ohio City. Uh, Brian meets downtown. Raise your hand. Andrew meets in Lakewood. Raise your hand. Andrew, good. Um, I don't think Emily is here today. Okay. Um, Jeremy for the East Side growth group. Raise your hand. He was the one that was playing the guitar. So these are our growth group leaders. So right now, where we are, I know we're breaking tradition a little bit, but where we are, let's break up into growth groups, okay? Go into your growth group, and if you don't have one, just look here, see which one you live near, 
and go ahead and join in on that group. So go ahead, I'm giving you one minute, you're on the clock, go ahead and break up, and then I'll have a discussion question up here for us to go over and talk about as a group. One minute. And within that one minute, introduce yourselves if you, if you haven't yet. So Brian, we're meeting up front and center here. Downtown's meeting front and center. Uh, we've got, where's, where's Lakewood going? Where's Lakewood going? Lakewood's up in here. Where's the east side going? If Lakewood's up there and this is downtown, east side, you might have to meet behind the curtain. Um, ben, Ohio City. Where's Ohio City? Ohio City's in the back. West 25th. <laughs> in the back. No, this is so weird. So, so weird. Sorry, guys. Making you do this. You can get comfortable. Hey, there's Lakewood could move down here if they wanted. Plenty of Lakewood space. Eastside, is Eastside meeting? Eastside's not meeting. Oh, Eastside's got a group. Okay. There's two. If anybody doesn't know where to go, Eastside could take somebody. All right, good. Your one minute is up. So, what we're going to do here is we're going to go over the next verse that was in this passage. Okay, Jesus asked and he said... Do you understand? You can put it up. It should be here. Do you understand all of these things? Okay, we've gone through all of chapter 13 in Matthew, seven parables, parable of the sower, the weeds, mustard seed, leaven, hidden treasure, great value, and the net. So within your group, I want you to ask yourselves, because I wanted to ask you here, but if somebody doesn't know, I think it'd be really hard if you're new here to raise your hand and say, hey, I don't know in front of everybody. So it's a smaller group. Okay, you've seen all of our, it's a beautiful church. You've seen all the beautiful faces here. It's okay. It is good. It is encouraged to ask questions. So do you understand all of these things? Look at these parables. Maybe you're here for all of them. Maybe you weren't. If you don't understand all of these things, please ask the question. We will not judge you. We do not care if you don't get something. If you don't get why, I talked about hell? Ask it. That's great. We don't mind. Ask it. So, do you understand all these parables? If no, ask something about it. But if you guys all are like, yeah, yeah, we get it. We get these parables. We, we know what they're about. We understand all of it. Well, then, within your group, um, and I am asking, you know, for the uh, growth group leaders for a bit here, maybe you might have to lead, help lead this. What is the most applicable parable to your community right now. So you might have to think about your community, what you're doing, what you're involved with. What parable is most applicable to your community right now? Unless you have a question. Again, don't skip no. No is good. But if the answer is yes, then go ahead and do that. So growth group leaders, get it started.
Oh no, Brian's not ready. I can't say I'm shocked, which isn't bad. Um, no, good to hear people talking. Yeah, finish it out. Finish it out, Brian. Hey, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to Lakewood and Ohio City right now. This, uh, this conversation should not stop, okay? This is something that we're doing right now just so we can maybe practice it. We can realize it's okay to meet new people and to talk. Okay, this is what a lot of us do after church. We go grab lunch somewhere, okay, and we talk about this stuff. But a lot of times we go grab lunch and we don't talk about it at the same time. And so these are conversations that are good to have. These are conversations that continue at growth group. And so now that you've met some people uh, within a growth group, maybe near you, I hope you're comfortable joining in on it. Um, I'm happy that you guys came this morning and were able to hear the fire and brimstone, the reality of what it is. It is not this cartoon caricature of a red guy with a little stick just poking people. Okay, and this is what we get a lot. And I, I even talking about it this morning. Uh, you know, I've talked with a couple people now saying, yeah, I'm talking about fire and brimstone Sunday. How about that? How many times have you heard that sermon? And a lot of people have never heard that sermon, actually. And I've realized because people are way too scared to share about hell because then people won't come back because it's too hard. Well, we talked about hell today, and you're all still here and alive. And hopefully it can change you, and hopefully it changes you for the good. It helps you see Jesus for who he really is as our treasure. Um, So now, um, let's go ahead and pray uh, as a group here, and uh, we'll end um, worshiping God as is uh, biblical, in fact. These conversations, if you heard something even within this, it is a bigger group than maybe we thought we would have had, so feel free to continue the conversation after. Um, God, we thank you for meeting us here today. We thank you that we have a way to be in heaven if we accept Jesus Christ into our hearts. I thank you that within this community of believers, we can be encouraged in our faith, we can be encouraged in life, and we can be growing in our knowledge and our understanding of you, Jesus. I pray that we can continue to grow and this won't end here and we can continue to look at your word on a daily basis and grow in our faith. God, thank you for meeting us here. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.